Uh, right now, though, we welcome uh, our guests. We're talking about absenteeism from school and how to track so-called invisible students. Declining regular school attendance has been the focus of a lot of political debate here. And in term one last year, only 46% of students reached the benchmark for regular attendance. I think that's up around 90%. It's also a hot topic across the Tasman where a Senate inquiry is looking into the problem in, Aust- in Australian schools. Michael Horton is an Australian registered psychologist, a former school teacher and founder of Parent Shop, which is a resource hub for parents, educators and child family specialists. He says school leaders report that student anxiety is a most significant concern and it's having an impact on them staying away from school. Uh, good morning, Michael. Welcome. Hello, Catherine. Hey, look, lots and lots of factors here. I'm looking, I'm great. Thank you very much. But this is a worry. This is a worry for a generation that's already had far too much interruption to uh, its schooling and its development. And, you know, there are multiple reasons we're here. We know a lot of students have um, had to um, go to work, uh, help out the family finances. Uh, Anxiety, as you say, is a real issue. Others just got disengaged, you know, just sitting, staring at a a laptop if they were lucky enough to have one. Wasn't going to do the job, Michael. Well, I, I do think parents didn't want to be too hard and fast during the pandemic, which is fair enough, because, you know, it was extraordinary time. But we're kind of back to normal now, and I think mum and dad need to be, I guess, warm and firm, Catherine, is the gold standard when it comes to parenting. Uh, warm is you love your kids, you give them a hug, but you also are firm about some expectations you might have of them. And one of those is going to school, because the benefits of going to school is so great. Uh, kids learn to socialise, kids learn from their teachers who are trained to provide good instruction and to scaffold their learning. Uh, there's so many benefits of children going to school. What do you believe the issues are, though? Because in some instances, as we said, kids may actually um, be be helping out at home or be working or just the parents don't know they're not at school. Um, let's begin with the scenario you've painted, which is that the kids don't want to go to school on this day or, you know, uh, in, in, or for several days. And where are you coming at this as a parent trying to get to the underlying issue and and encourage them back and keep at it? I think parents are sometimes caught between a rock and a hard place because what's going on is that I think sometimes their, their kids might have a bad day at school the day before and they say, I don't want to go to school again. Uh, And mum and dad are struggling with being firm and uh, the expectation that their child will go to school. On the other hand, they don't want their child to feel bad. Now, when parents acquiesce, so to speak, or it's called accommodation to their child's anxiety, that's it's not it's not a bad thing in itself because we're human and we look after our young. But the issue is where that becomes a bit of a pattern. Uh, if parents find themselves giving into their child's not wanting to go to school then they develop a habit of behaviour that's quite difficult to reverse out of if you do it too many times. In other words, accommodating to a child's anxiousness can cause its own problems. So what do you do? That's the main issue. Yeah, what do you do to better work through with an anxious child the thing that they perceive as being the cause of their anxiety, which is going to school? What kind of process can you go through this day, perhaps another day, perhaps another day after that? Well, the, the first thing is to be objective uh, as a parent. And what that means is 
not letting your the child's anxiety trip you up as a parent, but rather helping, looking at the child as a, a, a person who is feeling anxious in that moment, but helping them to overcome that. I think there's a couple of solutions here, Catherine, one of them being that I think we should set the expectation bar fairly high with our children. And what we need to do is to say, look, mum and I go to, go to work, uh, you go to school, and that's the deal unless you're really sick. Uh, so for the most part, I think that's the the high expectations needs to be set. And then uh, mum and dad need to develop a bit of a plan so that they don't white in each other as well. Um, so the plan would be that unless he or she is really sick, the expectation is that they go to school for all those benefits that I talked about with you before. It, helping children become, I, I like to think about it as children becoming the boss of their anxiety. In other words, how can we help children to develop this capacity over time? Um, in the Harvard Centre for the Developing Child, on the Developing Child, it's a really great website if your parents wanted to go and have a look at it. They talk about how you can use serve and return conversations with children to, by first acknowledging that they might be a bit unsure or a bit nervous about going to, to school, but then to provide them um, in conversation with the child uh, um, a way to explore their anxiety and to get better at using their executive functioning skills to, to, to sell a message that going to school is actually a good thing. I, I, there's much more to it, but I think children usually hold a bit of fear in their bodies when they're young. And so we need to also teach them ways to calm themselves down and to, to as I say, become better managers of their anxiousness. So actually the, the, the parent's reaction to and concern, understandable concern about the anxiety can inadvertently contribute to it becoming a bit of an entrenched cycle, particularly with respect to, to absenteeism, right? Rather than finding ways to manage it, diffuse it. Yes. It's called accommodation. And, and what happens in cases where children are quite anxious is that the vast majority of parents accommodate to that child's anxiety by participating in it in other words going ahead of the child and you know we've talked about this before about how sometimes parents jump in a bit too quickly to take the anxiety away by either reassuring the child or by distracting them but what that does unfortunately is not give the child the skills that they need at that particular point in time to be get, to be the boss of their own anxiety and so what we see is uh, what parents are trying to do is to reduce the drama and reduce the child's anxiety on the one hand, but it's not teaching them the skills to manage their anxiousness in any given moment. This phenomenon's increasing, whether it's a stay-at-home letter from a GP that you reference or another mental health professional, and you know one has to be aware and wary of of, of genuine, serious sort of clinical situations. But uh, it might just be the note from the parent, right? But but you're noticing this or, or pointing this out, particularly when there are elevated stress situations at school. It might be a sports carnival, it might be a school camp, it might be a test, and is that a time? where, um, again, wanting to act in the child's best interest, you're actually causing avoidance to the management of what is a natural anxiety or a natural heightened stress around an event. 
Well, you're right. There are normal challenges and normal stressors in life. And I think we need to, we, I've used this term before, I'm sure, prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child. And ultimately, that means that we shouldn't be protecting them, overprotecting them from what are normal, difficult moments. Uh, school leaders, certainly in my country, in Australia, are, saying, are kind of tearing their hair out at one level because they can see that children are being um, helped to avoid but by not by avoiding school sometimes. The school refusal used to be very rare. Uh, I can remember working as a child and family psychologist back in the 90s, and I would probably have a dozen cases a year of, of children who did not want to go to school. But as you said in your introduction, there's a lot more kids now who are not going to school. And I think what was underlying that uh, is people getting tripped up by their child's an anxiousness at at not wanting to go to school. Uh, and I think we need to set the expectation high that school is actually a part of a child's life uh, and, and you, need to, you need to be able to go to school. But I think parents get tripped up also because they feel a bit mean if they see their child struggling. And that's probably why, Catherine, a lot of parents won't be firm because they're, they're, they're rightly looking after their child's emotional well-being. But by, by jumping in, by overprotecting them from normal stresses, uh, they might be doing yeah, more damage than good. You uh, write that 75% of the anxiety we feel is learned behaviour. Uh, and can you elaborate on that? It feels like a natural instinctive emotion that occurs, right? But, but what do you mean when you describe it as learned behaviour? Um, well, well, I take my um, leap out of the book of um, Eli Leibowitz, who's from Yale University, and he says that anxiety is not like a sore tooth. It's not like you fix the tooth and, and it'll go away. So uh, unfortunately, the medical model at times does treat it like a sore tooth by providing you know, antidepressants to children, which is quite another issue altogether. But um, in, in lots of ways, anxiety is learned over time. And it's learned like nothing could have changed, Catherine, in, in children's brains over the last 25 years to explain the rise of child anxiety that we're seeing at the moment. So it must be the environment. And if it's the environment, what that means is that it's in the interactions between significant adults. It's certainly when children are under 13 uh, and the child where it's going to get better or worse. So if you think to ourselves, it must be environment, therefore, it must be between the significant adults and the child where the anxiety is getting worse or better. If we change the interactions, we should reduce the anxiety. How much weight do you, and I think we discussed this last time, how much weight do you or don't you put on the impacts of social media, not just from a bullying perspective, but from a perspective of over-stimulus with incoming stimuli? Well, my own view is that um, social media platforms are somewhat irresponsible at times. I mean, I even saw last night where there was a show on gambling in um, in Australia, and TikTok, for example, is is currently looking at looking at uh, putting uh, gambling ads on onto TikTok. That's going to affect uh, children if they're able to get gain access to. Um, TikTok or Instagram or those uh, those platforms where I think they should be protected from those platforms for as long as you can as a parent. 
my my own view and uh, is that social media platforms should be reserved for older adolescents and we shouldn't be giving access to uh, them while we're while children are still trying to form up their sense of self we're better off spending as parents spending time forming up a child's sense of who they are developing their internal locus of control uh, then we are giving them access to social media platforms that are designed to keep them on the page. As you and I discussed, Catherine, the issue of um, the social media giants is that they're trying to keep people on the page and it's, it's, they're based on something called addictive design. Now, that doesn't mean your child's going to become addicted, but it does mean that the, the platforms themselves are uh, really setting out to keep children and young people on the, on, on the page. Are there specific post-pandemic issues, talking of environment, how weird was it to have what used to be a, a behaviour of going out of the house every day and going to school turned into let's stay at home? And actually for some kids that may have become a very nice comfort. Everyone at home, mum, dad at home, we're all at home, we're doing this, we're doing that. Yeah, um, and, yeah absolutely. You know, if, if that has become a learned uh, habit for a child and a desired habit for a child... What are some practical ways of uh, of talking them through it? Now, you're talking about being firm. You, you, you can say, mum and dad goes to work or, or whatever. I go to work, you go to school, yep. that's the deal. But are there other uh, approaches or conversations that can um, help reconnect with the... Or, 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 or let them let go of that sense of security of being at home? Look, I, I'll address the child in a moment, but I think what parents need to do is have a conversation with themselves, and and, and because it's not the child who's absenting her, him or herself, it's actually mum and dad who are the that there is absenteeism is a parenting issue. Whichever way you look at it, it's it's about mum and dad feeling okay about sending their child to school and perhaps their child might be distressed but it's reforming a habit after the pandemic where it's going to school is a normal thing and for mum and dad their own self-talk needs to be along the lines of they will gain so much more by going to school they learn to um, have you know uh, relationships with other children uh, they they learn from their teachers it's it's an incredibly important thing for for them to do Mum and dad often do things that's in their child's best interests and they know it's going to, like, hurt, if that makes sense. Like, for example, they take their child to, to get an inoculation because it's in the child's best interests. So I think the issue here about absenteeism is, a, is ultimately a, a mum and dad issue saying to themselves, it is in my child's best interests that they go to school. With the child who is reluctant to go to school, I think the issue then becomes... Uh, perhaps regrading their exposure to going back to school, if that makes sense, if they haven't been to school for a while. Um, and there are certain things that I mentioned in my book called The Anxiety Coach, which might be useful for parents to have a look at, because it's about how do you set up a, a graded exposure way of helping the child to return to school. But ultimately, kids need, uh, I think, particularly when they're little, five, six, seven, eight, they need to ride on the back of mum and dad's view that, that you will cope, you will be okay. I acknowledge that you're feeling unsure about going to school again, 
but you will cope and and I know that you can do this. And so that, if you like, piggybacking on mum and dad's confidence in the child's ability to cope is where I would start. There's uh, some feedback here, and this one would probably sum it up. Schools are hardly back to normal after the pandemic. Try motivating a Year 12 boy who's been rostered home three days out of ten due to teacher strikes. Telling these kids attendance is really important just doesn't ring true at the moment. And this is a situation we're in, Michael, off the back of all the disruption of the pandemic, where there's a nearly year-long uh, contract negotiation between now just secondary teachers in the government and the industrial actions continuing. Mm-hmm. You know, what, 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 what do you do with a year 12 kid who turns around and say, why? If, if you know, and, sure. and this is not to blame the teachers, right? It, it is what it is. But, but how do you deal yeah, with yeah. that thoroughly natural response? Absolutely. And, 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 and uh, I suppose the, re- the, real, the real world would say uh, that a child who's about 16 or 17 who's refusing to go to school, it's going to be very hard for mum and dad to... Um, turn that boat around after such a long time. But I think the the key issue here is that when children are, are smaller, though, you know, primary school kids and certainly early secondary school kids, we need to give them the message that school is really important, that we, we expect that they will go back to school uh, when they can. But I think your listener rightly points out it's going to be very difficult to uh, insist that a... Um, uh, an older child, an older adolescent, go back to school. And look, the issue you're bringing up, of course, is a system issue that needs to be fixed up in schools. That's a pol- political issue. Another interesting observation here: I was an anxious child caused by not having a safe environment at home. I had panic attacks at school because I assumed that school wasn't safe either. I somehow preferred the unsafety I knew at home over the unknown at school. Uh, it's an interesting observation, that kind of transference. It's understandable. Yeah. Um, and is this one where actually it might be teachers and perhaps others supporting this child who who, who can play a role somehow? Well, absolutely. Uh, look, uh, the, there's a, the issue here is that that we need to slowly but surely help children get better at being able to be the boss of their anxiousness. Otherwise, they're going to consistently avoid. Avoidance is the huge issue in Australian schools, certainly, that why kids won't go to school. Now, can you can if you accommodate to that anxiety by saying, "Well, you don't have to go," or "It's don't worry about it. You'll be right. We'll, you can stay at home." That becomes a pattern of behaviour. And I've seen families, Catherine, for many years who uh, get into this pattern of behaviour and it's very hard to reverse out. Parents usually get to a point where they have accommodated their child's anxiety for years on years on years, and then they find it really difficult to reverse out of that pattern over a period of time. I think there are um, arousal reduction skills that can be taught to children to help them overcome their anxiety. There are there are ways of um, um, helping them to construct a a a working through of issues um, so that they feel better about going to school. Um, I I don't, I don't, the solution is not to overprotect though, because if we keep overprotecting, we send the message to the child ultimately that they can't or won't be able to cope. I'm not sure that's a great message to send to a child. Just finally, um, the Senate inquiry, I think it was due about now, but it's been kicked back to, to August. What's it looking into? Is it looking into some of the, trying to establish some of the reasons for disengagement, absenteeism? 
Well, they've actually put off the release of it for a month because um, I suppose what they're trying to do is to get their ducks lined up, Catherine, because it is a complicated issue. There's no doubt about it. Um, uh, but all things being equal, I would have thought that the issues are partly to do with mum and dad working out a plan between themselves about their child going to school and returning to school for all the benefits that it brings. I, I know that I, I speak with a lot of school leaders in Australia and the school leaders here are kind of tearing their hair out at um, how they can encourage uh, children and young people to return to school, particularly after the pandemic. But more generally, uh, they're seeing higher rates of absenteeism. Uh, I ultimately think this is a parent issue. Uh, I think also that uh, teachers need to be trained up uh, in how to manage anxiety. And the Australian Productivity Commission had brought down a report late last year where it was talking about the need for teachers to know how to respond to anxious children uh, at school. And I think that's a that's a huge issue as well. Michael, thank you. Michael Horton is an Australian registered psychologist, former school teacher, the founder of Parent Shop, which is a resource hub for parents, educators and child family specialists. He also works with the New South Wales Primary Principals Association on means to reduce anxiety in primary school age children.